thank you for downloading the Cast Iron Theatre podcast. So this is going to be the start of something different for the next six weeks. Yeah, we we are sharing our toys, or we're having toys shared with us. Yeah, yeah. So we the last podcast we recorded was uh, with Alan from Eight Millimeter Network, and he has a podcast called Broken Pieces, and we thought it would be lovely to share some of those stories with you guys. So they're all quite short stories. Um, for the next six weeks, we'll be playing them on our feed. So yeah, it's a, a fiction uh, podcast, um, short stories, as mm-hmm. you say, and we're delighted to have the opportunity to host these uh, little nuggets of fiction. And there's more uh, Broken Pieces stories, so if you do enjoy this one and the other five that we'll be playing over the next few weeks do head along to the eight millimeter website and we'll leave a link for that in the show notes and you'll be able to uh, listen to more of them because they're fab fantastic yeah so should we listen to the first story let's do it yeah That's where they landed. Down there. Morris's father, Pat, was standing at the end of the concrete pier, looking out into the salt-heavy water. He drew periodically from his ever-present cigarette as he stared out at the waves. Morris, aged about 14, was standing behind his father, further down the pier, looking down at the wrapper of a chalk ice or whatever it was. The waves were grey and rough, and Morris knew that they were the kind that would really sting if you jumped in. Who landed, Dad? The Vikings, Morris. The Vikings. Oh, yeah? Pat slowly raised his cigarette to his mouth and was silent again. This is a classic Pat thing to do. An opening line, then a pause. Then you'd be waiting for him to go on and tell you more. And sometimes he would. Or sometimes he would leave you hanging for a bit and then say something like, What time are you meeting David tonight? People who only saw Pat from time to time found this very endearing. But it's annoying, isn't it? If you're subjected to it every fucking day. Oh yeah? Was a veiled, semi-combative response. What Morris really meant to say was, Dad, I wish you'd just fucking say things or not like, your constant mysterious man act is tiresome for the people who love you. We could actually have a conversation here, you know, if you weren't busy reading your lines for the film crew that isn't fucking there. But fuck it, I've already sort of given up now anyway, haven't I? I'm almost at peace with it. I guess I just have to appreciate you as more of an environmental element and not as a person I'm ever really going to be in communication with. And maybe, maybe that's okay. Morris reached inside his hoodie and scratched his chest through his t-shirt. Was he keeping a secret? Normally a secret was a single thing that happened and then you hide that thing away, like hash behind the book. But what if the secret were growing? Pat was speaking again. They came up there. The berserkers. Another pause. Morris pinned the stray ice cream wrapper down with his trainer. Secrets were supposed to be about something important, but what if something starts out as not important, but seems to get more important over time? Morris scratched himself again. He'd bought an electric razor, the body sculptor. 
He had shaved his chest and ass first, then his shoulders and back with the plastic extender arm thing, finally his feet and then the back of his hands. He'd been careful to clean up all the hair afterwards and bin it. Oh yeah? What's a berserker, Dad? Morris more or less knew what a berserker was, a kind of mad viking fucker, but playing the part of interested psychic was an easy role and sometimes helped to speed up the process of having a conversation with Pat. The morning after he'd bought the razor and shaved himself, the hair was back. Berserkers landed all along this coast, Morris. Morris had googled hormonal imbalance teens. He figured it must be hormonal because he noticed that he was getting angrier in school as well. He'd fought with Jur over a girl. At the time he'd wanted to kill the fucker, but afterwards he realised that it was stupid and he wanted to be friends again. But the anger was still there, hot and dumb, pushing inside his body, even though there was no reason. Pat took another slow puff and then continued. They jumped into the water as their longboats approached. They were armed to the teeth. Looking down, Morris straightened out the ice cream wrapper with the toe of his shoe. It was, in fact, a chalk ice. Oh, right, yeah. I think I saw a video about it online. The hats are cool. The ones with the horns like. Of course, Morris knew that the Vikings didn't really wear those hats, but he figured this would send Pat off on an explanation, and then he could zone out for a bit and focus on his body hair problem some more. Most of those documentaries, they misrepresent the facts, Morris. They never wore those helmets. In fact, the ones who landed here never wore any armour at all. Morris released the chalk ice wrapper back into the breeze and watched it flip and flop away from the pier and down the street back into town. They were called the Ulfaedner. Staring deep into the ocean horizon, Pat took a final long drag from his cigarette. Do you know what Ulfaedner means, Morris? That was a great question. Morris had to hand it to Pat. He was playing 4D fucking chess all right. Do you know what this Irish-sounding word for a specific type of Viking means? You don't, do you? You don't because you're neglecting your heritage, and because you're not interested in history, and because you're always in your room, masturbating or playing on the Xbox. Uh, no, what's it mean, Dad? It means Wolfman. A pause. They fought half-naked except for the wolfskin hoods that they wore on their backs. They came up along this strand and murdered and raped everyone they found. Morris watched for a moment as the chalk ice wrapper took off in the wind. And then turned back towards his father Pat. Pat had tilted his head and was now looking across the strand. Morris followed his gaze down along and out into the grey waves. He could see them. The Vikings. They were arriving now. Wading through the water, salt splashing their beards, their eyes rolling, mad on lust and sea hunger and mead wine. They advanced as Pat continued his monologue. In less than a minute they'd reached the shore. They were twisting their heads side to side, looking up and down at the half-empty streets, indifferent to the cars and the pavement and the closed ice cream van and all the other shit. They spotted Pat and began rushing along the strand towards the pier, their axes raised, roaring like boars. They were stark naked apart from their leather belts and wolf hoods. They were hairy, hairy like Morris was. They thought they were invincible, Morris. They thought that they couldn't be killed. The people here believed it too, Morris. Believed it on sight. That's why they were afraid. Why would you attack naked if you weren't actually invincible? 
The Vikings were approaching fast. They'd almost reached the site of the pier. As they ran, they were already imagining the blows that they would bring down on Pat. They were imagining how easily he'd fall down, how they'd rifle his pockets for gold. They were closer now, and Morris could see that their faces were hairy too. Not just the beards, but the foreheads and the cheeks as well. He could see their eyes. They were yellow and bloodshot and starving. As the Vikings began to climb up the side of the pier, Pat moved across to a bin and stamped out his cigarette. He turned around and began slowly walking back towards Morris, his back to the Vikings who were now clambering up onto the concrete surface of the pier behind him. What time are you meeting David tonight? Uh, Around seven, I think. Teeth bared, yellow eyes rolling, the first Viking silently rushes up behind Pat. The Viking's eyes connect with Morris as he raises his axe. Without a sound, he brings the axe down square on Pat's left shoulder. There is a large spray of blood as Pat collapses down onto his knees. A look of pure and new shock upon his face. The fucking end. Shazam! I begin by um, reading a little meditation to you of my own confusion. It's called Life Only. In its nature, life is always coming into manifestation to complete all things visible. We never fully realize this. Where should perfection come from? If we did not create it. This has been the Cast Iron Theatre Podcast. Presented by Andrew Allen. And edited by Michelle Donkin. Music is Chapstick by Everett Armand. Find us on Twitter, on Facebook, and our website, castironbrighton.weebly.com. Subscribe to us and rate us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Thanks for listening.